Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. may be seated. just want to remember all those, and we all want to become good students of history and remember, okay, those that have sacrificed and paid the highest price for you and I. Very, very important that we, especially in my generation, understand those that made sacrifices for you and I that are here. We had a video clip we were going to show in the first one. We didn't show it uh, time ran out, it went by so fast on Schindler's List and those that made sacrifices that people could live and save 1,100 Jews, Schindler himself. And uh, so there's many other stories that have came out for that, but in the day and hour we live in today, there's groups that are saying the Holocaust never existed. That's like saying the Rwandan genocide never existed, or the Armenian genocide never existed. Or how about in 2016, the Christian genocide in Syria? The Christian, the Yahtzee genocide in Syria today. These are lives. These are precious souls that the Son of God laid down his life for. And it's happening around our world today. So let's remember them in our prayers and our thanksgiving and never make light of it. Are we ready, Kath? Okay, let's go to the Bible and open your Bible to Luke chapter 14, verse 34. And while we're doing that, how many like French fries? Okay, okay. How many know eating french fries without salt is going to be pretty bland? The salt gives it flavor. You can come to the Shumatera home, and Pastor Kathy's got this whole uh, rack and all these uh, uh, shelves over there with all kinds of seasoning salts, okay? There's seasoning salts even in there for popcorn. Come on. Popcorn wouldn't be the same without some of those seasoning salts. Come on. The sour cream and onion ones, and there's all that. But we know a little bit about salt from customs in history that the Bible says salt, if it loses, uh, how many know that salt in biblical days actually was rubbed into the meat? They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers like you and I have today. So when they have the meat, they would actually have to rub the salt into the beef, rub it into the chicken and other things. And it was actually as a propensity to preserve it because that's what salt had done. And we've done actually a whole message on the benefits of salt in biblical eras and days that I don't have time to develop. But the writer says in Psalm 34, he's, uh, excuse me, in Luke 14, 34, salt is good for seasoning. But look what it says. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Next verse, flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Go right down. Okay, chapter 15. Now, here's the context. The context is about salt. And Jesus used this emblem to describe Brian Danner. He uses it to describe Lynn Danner, Rick Shimatero Cat. He uses it to describe every one of us that's in this room today. Because he calls us the light in the world, and he calls us the salt of the earth. So you are a salty believer. So the question is, okay, are you eating french fries without salt? 
are you trying to share the message without the salt? Okay? So then what happened there, the salt was given to create an appetite. You know, you, know, you, you, you go to, before I knew Christ, they used to hang in the bars. And guess what? They would give you free food. Four people have never been to a bar. Okay? Okay. And, and what did they do? They put a lot of salt on it to make you thirsty. Hello? So guess what? You made them thirsty so you would drink more. That's where it was before Christ days for Rick Shimatero. But here's the point I want to bring out. Your life and my life is supposed to make people thirsty. We're salty out there. Come on. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. Have you ever wondered why sinners, and it says over there, religious people actually came and, and, and what else? They came out there, sinners, notorious sinners. And, and, and who else? The undesirables of that day came out because there was so much salt coming from Jesus' life. What do you mean about that? Undesirables means the folks living a low life in the society. They could be criminals. They could be thieves. They could be the rough, uh, roughnecks, gangs. The kind you probably wouldn't want to uh, just have your son or your daughter marry. Marry. Okay, or how about this here? Are morally bankrupt, lascivious party animals, no morals, no values, uh, loose living type individuals. These are the ones. But here's the amazing thing. They were coming to hear Jesus and they didn't come once in a while. They came often. So there was something inside of him that drew these men and drew these women to him. And I'm going to tell you in a moment what that is. Go ahead, Kath. You know, what we have to realize is that all of us as believers are called by God. And that is an honor, to be called by God. And what does that mean? You know, it means that he has chosen us. He's put something inside of us that other people need. And to be called is a privilege. It's a benefit. It's a blessing. And John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. What we have to realize is that all of us as believers are called it is a privilege. It is an honor to be called. And it's a benefit. It's a blessing to be called. And, you know, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And there's people in our lives, people that we come across, whether we work with them or whether they're family or friends or just people that come across our path randomly. There are people that only you can, can talk to or reach or you have a part of them coming to know the sure. Lord. They actually say statistically that the average person will hear the gospel anywhere from seven to eight or nine times, even up to ten times before they surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And so whatever your influence is on someone's life may not be the last time where they are going to surrender their life to Christ, but you may be part of what leads or gets them there by the Jesus that they see in you or the lifestyle that you demonstrate to them. And so we have to, we have to know that it's not all about getting them to say a prayer. It's just about being and demonstrating the church, demonstrating Jesus Christ to them so that they will get there eventually. And um, I'm reading, a, I read a book and I just finished it and I've actually got about 50 copies on order for the bookstore, but they didn't come in yet. I thought they were and I told everybody in the first service and they all went rushing to get them and they're on back order. <laughs> so, um, so we will have them in hopefully within the next week or so. But it's called, the book is called Unexpected Adventure. And it's... Um, written by Lee Strobel and Mark Middenberg. 
Middleburg, and they are writing, they're journaling their experiences of how they got saved and how they evangelize and, and all the different ways that people come to Christ. And, and so in, in Lee Strobel, many of you have heard of him. He wrote the book, The Case for Christ, which is a best-selling book. And, but he was a very staunch, firm atheist for many years. He was an editor for the Chicago newspaper and he absolutely couldn't stand Christians or Christianity at all. Mm -hmm. And in his journey to become a Christian, which he's now obviously an advocate for Christ, and um, in his journey, though, there was a time in his life when him and his wife had their first child, and she was born with something wrong with her and had to have surgery, and they were pretty devastated. And uh, during that time when they were in the hospital, they received a phone call from a man that he had ridiculed, made fun of, and belittled because he was a Christian. And so this man called, the, called Lee Strobel at the hospital and told him that he was praying for him and for their daughter and that anything they could do to help, they would be there for them. And Lee Strobel said no, and he hung up. But he said that phone call, he couldn't shake it off. He could not understand how somebody he had treated so horribly would reach out to him like that. And see, it's those kinds of things that can be part of someone's sure. journey to becoming a Christian. And of course, Lee Strobel did become a Christian. And he's actually got a movie coming out in the spring uh, on the Case for Christ movie. And, uh, but he's, he's a renowned person that can prove Christianity, prove the existence of God now, when at one time he was on the other side of the fence and he was out to destroy it. And so we, we don't know. We are, we are called, we're fruit producers. That's what we are. In fact, Proverbs 11.23 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous. What is the fruit of the righteous? Well, the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, mercy. That's our fruit. And it says the fruit of the righteous. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. And so people are going to come to the Lord not by us preaching at them, not just by words, but by our lives, by our lifestyles, by living the gospel, being a, being a blessing to people, even people that hurt us and, and may offend us. And so we have to know that this is a privilege entrusted to us by God. We are salt. We are light. We are the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so in our lives, we have to be the gospel, live that gospel. The Bible says we're living epistles read by men. And so we have to be people that walk in love and, and, and do the things that would draw people to us because we live in a lost and dying world. And people are looking for answers, and we have the answer. But if we don't act like we have the answer, and if we're all stressed out and upset and, you know, in unbelief and fear and angry and resentful and retaliation and act just like the world acts, well, they're not going to see Jesus in us. That's right. And so the responsibility is on us as children of God to be like Christ and to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit to a lost and dying world. I want you to go back, if you will, to the book of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to pick up right where Kathy's at. In Luke 15, 1, we see again the Son of God has a passion over there, and he's drawing these people to him. Let's read it together. Come on. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Go ahead. And then this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people 
even eating with them. Now, let me, just, let me just be very, very blunt over here. How many know if our lives have a holier-than-thou attitude about them, we're never going to draw the others to ourselves? Okay? And it doesn't mean we compromise our values. It doesn't mean we compromise our beliefs. But we never want people to feel inferior towards us because of where they're at on the ladder, on the ladder of success or, or where they're at today. Can, can you say? Very, very important because that error is the biggest turnoff today to the uh, world that we live in today. But the Bible says Jesus was a friend of these ear people. And then it tells us this next verse, listen, not only eating with them, but look what else. So Jesus told them this story. And he goes and he shares three incredible stories back to back about these undesirable people, about these lost people. And there's a word that permeates all the way through all three. The lost sheep. How many know that our lives are compared to sheep and the shepherd? Okay, so we could actually saw the lost person out there. And then the lost coin, which speaks of our livelihood, what we do every day. And then the lost son, which speaks about a, a believer that got disconnected. Things came in. The lures of the wicked one came in. He disconnected, but how the father was there to reconnect him again. So he goes and shares about lost people. Well, what does that mean to you and I today? The word lost means to bring to destruction. Has anybody in their past or anybody, uh, you don't have to say in your present, but in your past ever been on a road of destruction? Okay, I can have my hand up there right now. I know what that path is like. I know where it's at. Also to suffer deprivation uh, of an unforeseen or accidental manner. In other words, there was an accident that transpired. Something happened. A, a violation, a betrayal came in. And all of a sudden, your life is railroaded. Your whole life is changed now. You're left in a prison. You're left in a financial burden. You're left in a situation where you can barely make it. See, this is what loss means. It also means about those that have failed, those that have wasted their life. They've undergone defeat. The, to cause the miss one's way or bearing to wander or go astray. Well, the good news is if you are in any of those categories and you say you're here today and you've ruined your life, you've made havoc of your life, you've messed up your life and others, the good news is you're welcome here today. The good news is we have hope for you. The good news is we have a God that wants to restore you, a God that wants to repair you, a God that wants to take you off the wrong track and put you on the right track. Who would that be today? I believe that could be today. Maybe your childhood was deprived. Maybe you didn't have the right parents. Maybe Maybe you missed up in a messed up home. Maybe you were bullied as a, a young person out there. You never had time to be the child, never had time to mature. You were put into roles of responsibility. Or maybe there was an unforeseen accident where a loved one died, a parent died, a mom died, a dad died. The person of great influence in your life died. And you're saying, why did God take that person? And there's questions that go on in many, many of the hearts over here today. I don't believe it was God that just took him. I just want to state that right now. I believe that God is a just God, and I believe that God is a good God, and I believe he's entrusted the authority and the responsibility to us to curb our life. But the reality is, as long as we're in a fallen world, bad things can happen to good people. Okay, and let's just go on a little bit forever. Or maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you don't know whether you're going or coming anymore. Maybe you've been in an abusive situation. Maybe you feel your life is just a waste. Maybe you feel that you've just lost and lost and made all the wrong choices and there's no hope. There is hope for you today because the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son 
all had good news. He went after them. They all found what they were looking for. And guess what? It was all in Christ. And guess what? Their lives were rejoiced. Their lives were repaired. Their lives were restored. And God had another whole page for the lost son. He had another whole day of wage for the person that lost their job. He had another whole one for the lost sheep. So there's hope for you. And we're going to tell you this morning the four calls in a moment. You know, first of all, we need to know how do, how do we activate the call of God? And, and it really comes to positioning ourselves or having an attitude, having attitudes towards God and towards the call of God that we need to embrace in our lives. And the first attitude that we need to have is the attitude of obedience. Because, you know, if we're not willing to obey God, we're not going to be led by him and we're not going to hear what he has to say and we're not going to hear the needs of the people that he leads us to. You know, Abraham obeyed God when God told him to move to another land, to leave everything he knew and go somewhere else. Noah obeyed God when he was called to build the ark. Mark. And Jesus learned obedience, it says, through the things that he suffered. And he's the author of eternal salvation for everybody that obeys him. And, you know, what we have to realize, there's times when God will call us to do certain things. And when we hear God's voice and we hear him specifically giving us direction, then we need to be willing to do whatever it takes to obey him. You know, in that movie, um, Hacksaw Ridge, one of the things that really struck me about the movie was the young man that the movie was about who would not kill anybody, wouldn't carry a gun. And he was, um, he went through terrible persecution from all of his troop mates, you know, because of that. And, and they made fun of him. They ridiculed him. They even beat him up. They did all kinds of terrible things to him. But he wouldn't quit. And he knew God had called him to be there. And it didn't matter what happened. He was going to be there. And so then when they went off to war, and then they, were, they went up to the um, Hacksaw Ridge, and they went up over, the, over up the ridge, they came under unbelievable fire. And there was all kinds of horrible things happening. They're all being shot and killed by the Japanese. And, um, and so at one point, you know, it was just chaos. It was mass chaos. And, and so finally, they all retreated and went back down the ridge. And he stayed at the edge. And he was about to go down with them. And he said, God, I don't know what you want me to do. And so he's praying because he was a believer. And he wanted to obey God. He said, what do you want me to do? And he heard somebody call for help, an injured soldier, because they had abandoned all of the ones that had been shot and injured, and they were still alive. And meanwhile, the, the enemy was all around, and it was very dangerous. And, and so as soon as he heard that cry for help, he said, I know what I'm supposed to do. And then he went over, to, he found that person, and he got them to the edge of the, the ridge, and he, he wrapped them up in a rope, and he lowered them himself down. And then he went back to look for more, and he spent all night. And every time he would save somebody and get them down, he would say, and he was all by himself. And meanwhile, the enemy's there. He's trying to hide from them and do all this stuff. And, and every time, though, he'd say, God, give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. And he kept saying that. And, and God kept leading him to save different people. And, and, um, and that's the heart that we need to have because we need to, we need to want to obey God. God, whatever you want me to do, it doesn't matter what it costs me. Give me somebody that I can help and make a difference. We need to have an attitude of humility. You know, we, the Bible says our attitude should be the same that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus, here he is, God. And he never exalted himself. He never flaunted who he was. He was humble. And he said, I'll go to the lowest depths. I'll go wherever I have to go. 
to obey. And then we need to love people and to demonstrate the love of God. We need to really genuinely love people and care about their well-being and be motivated by that love. And when we do that, that's how we, it's easy to activate the call of God because we'll have the right heart. We'll have that attitude of obedience and humility and love. And when we position ourselves that way and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he might tell you, go bake a pie and bring it down the street. He might tell you to take someone's garbage out for them or mow someone's lawn or babysit their kids or just give them an encouraging phone call. But nothing should be too, you know, below us to do whatever God has called us to do. So we're going to realize, we're going to study now, and we're going to cover the four calls that come to every one of us, and we all have to ask these questions. Number one, there's the call of heaven. Kathy just said it well about obeying when God says to do something. When the man was on the ridge, uh, he was called. There was somebody that was there. That was the call. He responded on it and became a hero because of what he had accomplished for God and obeying God at that time. But the first call that's very important to all of us that we all need to understand is the call from heaven. How many know that Paul says, I was not disobedient to what? To the heavenly vision that God had given, the call from heaven. And so the first call is found in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So the first command, the first call, is actually the call from heaven. But he doesn't just say it in Matthew. He says it in Mark 16. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay? Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned These miraculous signs will accompany them who believe they will cast out demons in my name, speak in new languages, and they will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. So we recognize over here the call from heaven came to Matthew. The call from heaven came to Mark. There's another call in the book of Luke, and it's to repentance, but you receive power. Excuse me. It was also written with the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. So we see the call from Matthew, the call from Mark, the call from Luke. They're calls that we just can't ignore. And then the first call in the book of Acts, the first one. They're saying, God, is this the time you're going to restore back to the Jews? Is this the time you're going to restore back the kingdom? Is this the time? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Acts chapter 1, how many of are filled with the Holy Spirit today? You that are watching me, wave your hand at me for just a moment. Okay, how many know he didn't just fill you with the Holy Spirit and have his spirit abide in you just to hang out? Everything God does, he does with a purpose. Well, Acts 1 tells you the purpose. 8, it says, it, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, okay? And then it says, and you will be what? What are you going to be? My witnesses. What's that mean? Telling people about me? 
Everywhere. Where's it going to be? Come on. Jerusalem. Throughout where else? Judea. Where else? Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. Can we actually say Canada? So we see something out there. The Holy Spirit was given to you and was given to me from a call from God. The question is, are we going to respond to God's call? Everybody stand up. So what was the call? In Mark 16, go into the world and preach the good news. Here's the good news in a nutshell. Christ died for your sins. Christ was buried for you. But he rose from the dead for you and proved that who he was. And he's alive today. When you get baptized in water, guess what? You're identifying with the very death of Christ on the cross. You're going under the water, the burial. But guess what? They're not going to leave you in there. The good news is it doesn't matter how lost you are. doesn't matter how deep in pain you are. doesn't matter where you came from, what road you're on, what path you're on, what street you're on, who you were born with, where they were at. You don't know your mom. You don't know your dad. It don't matter any of those there things. But when you go into the water, sir, you're going to come up out into resurrection life on the other side. And you're going to be made a new man. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. You're going to have a new commandment, a new heart, a new nature, a new love, a new forgiveness, a new compassion, a new mercy, a new peace, a new joy. And it all comes with the great exchange. That's why we tell people the good news. And today we have with us over here Darwin and Mary the Baptist that will take you into River Windsor. Right behind the stage over here is a baptismal tank. It's about two feet behind over here. And they'll take you into the water. They have a change of clothes. They have a private area for you to change. They have every excuse you can have. They got your back. And if you're here today and you want to respond to the call of heaven today, To not just have your sins forgiven, but to turn your life around by repenting of your sins. Acknowledging Jesus is Lord number one in your life. And then what? Just doing what he says to do. Come on. There's faith always has corresponding action. And the first action of the newfound faith is repent, believe, and be baptized. So look at your neighbor and say, is he talking into you? And if I'm talking to you today, then just come as you are. You probably didn't expect it, 99% of the people that come don't. But if he's talking to you to get baptized today, it's not for little babies. Babies can't repent. Babies can't believe. But sir, ma'am, you and the sound of my voice can. So just come out of your seats just as you are now and watch the miracle that God does inside of you from the inside out. Watch what he does as he railroads your past and puts you into the present in Christ today. Just come on down wherever you're at. Don't matter your age. Don't matter the color of your skin. Don't matter your nationality. None of that stuff matters to God. God, right over here, girl. God bless you. Right over here. God bless you. God bless you. A new day. Right over here. Right over. Is there anybody else? You know you need to be down here, but maybe you're just too stubborn. Maybe you're just too prideful. Maybe you're too fearful. But God says you take the step and you watch what my grace will do. You watch what my spirit will do and shaking off the old and embracing the new. Glory to God. Anybody else, you need to come down, just do it and do it now because Kathy and I got a lot more to share. You guys go Darwin and Mary and have the best party of your life. Amen. You know, one of the biggest things that we we live in a culture today where they are trying to make it, um, they're trying to make us feel like we're doing something wrong if we share our faith. 
And we're try they're trying to intimidate, humiliate, make, you know, say and do a lot of things that kind of make us look like, oh, well, there's something wrong with us if we want to talk about Jesus. And, and we have to use wisdom, though, because they, they want us to, to look stupid or feel stupid. And sometimes Christians do act stupid and how they share their faith and they don't use wisdom they don't use discretion and they can be forceful argumentative and all words no actions and those things just turn people off and and yet at the same time there's a time to speak up there's a time when we're in conversation with people when we need to say the truth and not back down because we're afraid of what they think about us and and so you know God is calling us we, we you know we need to be praying every day for boldness we need to be praying for wisdom we need to be praying though more for opportunities to demonstrate the gospel to people because then they will listen to us when we show people love when we show that we care that when we show that they matter to us and that we care about their lives and when they know that then the doors will open for us to speak right. words into them that will lead them to the truth. But the Bible says not to be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the only way to salvation. And even that, thinking that, is, is not looked upon well in our society. But Jesus would have never, God would have never made Jesus lay down his life and die on the cross and go through the suffering he went through if there was another way. He would have told him there was another way when he was in the Gethsemane asking right but there is no other way because all other ways are are by our works by us being good enough Very good. when we're, none of us is good enough and it's sad when we look at a society today where we see that the values character it is no longer it no longer matters you know I, I look at the election in the United States and when you see that these are the two people that the people wanted That's sad, right? It's sad. It's sad that there can't be a, a truly godly person running in that place. And, and yet, you know what? We, we, but we, have to, we have to trust God. He, you know, politicians are not our, our hope. That's right. We're in a lot of trouble if they are. <laughs> They're not our hope. God is our hope, right? God's the one ultimately. And I'm not taking sides or anything. I, I just, you know, you vote for the lesser of two evils, I guess, you know. Um, but, but it's sad when it gets to a place where when we look around and we see what, what, uh, what, who our leaders are and the values that they lack. And, and yet people want that because they reject the ones that have values. Mm -hmm. And it's sad to see that. But you know, every one of you is here in this room because somebody said something to That's you right. at some time that got you here. Not necessarily in this church, whether you're here or any church, but, but the point is somebody, you know, I look back in my life and I remember the very first time somebody tried to preach the gospel to me and I was working at Eat the Eaton store, the old Eaton store, downtown Toronto. And I was a display artist there. And I remember this young man having lunch, asking me for lunch. And he started to witness to me. And I shut him right down because I wasn't interested. I told him I was an atheist. And at that time, I believed I was an atheist. I wanted nothing to do with God because I was turned off the church. And so he stopped talking about it right away. And then a few days later, he did invite me to a Bible study. But he didn't directly invite me. He said he was going to one, and he wasn't going to invite me because he knew I wouldn't want to go. But I kind of liked this guy, so I went. 
And I ended up finding myself in a Bible study led by a navigator. You know, that guy ended up backsliding, so nothing ever. <laughs> uh, I, ended up, I ended up in a Bible study led by a guy named Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts was an, a navigator. And that's an organization that trains up men and women to go in different parts of the country and, and start Bible studies to win lost people. So I end up in this Bible study with all these people from all different walks of life that were new Christians. I wasn't a Christian yet, and I, but I was drawn to them. I, I knew they had something that I didn't have. So I kept going back to the Bible study. And finally, after about a month of going, I finally surrendered my life to Jesus. But if it wasn't for that young guy inviting me, I wouldn't have got there. Somebody had to say something. And there's so many people out there. And yeah, they, they, you might get rejected. But you don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. I've been rejected by a lot of people when I shared my faith with them that later came in to the kingdom. Because there's... You don't know what, you know, there's, like I said, one to ten times they could be touched by the gospel before they actually come in. You don't know what time, what encounter you are in their life. But they, all I know is when they do encounter us, it should be good. It should be a good encounter, even if they don't like it. It should be something where they feel loved or cared about. Because people are crying out for help all around us. And if we don't reach out... There is no hope. They say there's more suicides. Suicides have doubled among teens in the last few years. Doubled. Because they have no hope. They're dealing with stuff that is beyond what a lot of us had to deal with. From all the drugs and alcohol and all the stuff on the internet that they can get addicted to and caught up in. And, and parents breaking up. And, you know, there's so much anger and fear and, and so much... You know, they, they don't have any stability. They don't, they don't have a moral compass. And they don't realize that if they just do what they feel like doing, it's going to end up, come back on them. That's right. And the, there's an epidemic of suicides and drug addiction and alcohol addiction and gambling addiction and pornography addiction and all kinds of stuff out there. And people are in bondage. And their families are falling apart. And we might not be able to put everything back together, but we can give them hope. We can give them somewhere they can go Come on. for peace and comfort and help. Amen. And that's what it's about. And that's what we're called to do. And in the weeks to come, we're going to be sharing more how to do that. We have Christmas coming up, and we've got opportunities. And you know what? We're calling this a lifesaver. We're going to give out the lifesavers now, because so, we will forget we forgot the first service. So are they here? They got them. Oh, they, they took, well, go get them. And, <laughs> and uh, we, we had planned to give out these lifesavers, and in the first service, we got so caught up in the message, we forgot to give them out. So now they took them out, and we're going to bring them back in and get you those lifesavers. They're just little lifesavers. But you know what? To remind you, you're a lifesaver. That's right. Right? You are a lifesaver. You will save there lives. You will save lives for all eternity by just... Being the church, loving and caring for people in your community, loving your enemies. Come on. You know, we talked last week about flipping the switch and gave the example of going to somebody that you, you know, maybe is giving you a hard way to go, but going to them 
and, and showing them love and compassion, even if they're being nasty to you. I'll tell you, they won't forget it. It'll impact them. Amen? Okay. So I'm just going to go for a couple more minutes, and then we're going to wind down. But everybody say there's a call from heaven. There's also a call from hell. Luke 16. How many know we already read 14, the salts? The beginning of 14 speaks about discipleship. If any man wants to be my disciple, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, follow me. Then he goes in, salt is flavorless, it's no good, it's thrown out. Then he goes in about his love for lost mankind, ruined mankind, broken mankind, even religious mankind that really believes around the right road, but he showed us the road. And then in 16, I'm just going to read this, 1619, Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there belonging for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance, and he saw with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. Now he is here uh, being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in the place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone has sent them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. Couple evaluations is number one, it's your good works. Listen, the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because his heart showed selfish purpose. There was benevolence that he had the ability to help. He had the ability, but he didn't care. The poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. Come on now, the poor man went to heaven because of his trust, his confidence in God. So we can see what transpired over there with the two. But here's the bottom thing is, there's a call from hell. And a lot of people today don't believe in any kind of hell. I will state this here fact unequivocally. As much as I believe in heaven, so I believe in hell. And I'll state this part. Hell is separation from God. I don't want anybody to be separated from God for all eternity. There's a lot of debates and a lot of things about it, but as the reality is, heaven is a real place, and there's not a question of mind, and so is hell. It wasn't created for God's people. Come on, church. It's created for the devil and his angels, the ones that rebelled, went their own way, and lawlessness that went their own way. But the truth is, God's not willing that one of us, any one of us, should perish but that everyone should come to repentance. Come on. So the call from hell, number two. 
There's a call from Macedonia. It was a nation's are calling. In a short time, Kathy and I, in um, July of next year, we're going over to Nicaragua. We got leadership conferences, a call to the nations that's going on. Um, personally, I'd rather be in my own house, in my own bed, come on now, with my own church and my own nation. We're very blessed here in Canada. I'd rather be here. But the reality is there's times that we do go, not because necessarily we want to go or not because we like to go, because there's a compelling to the nations to go and to help and to go and equip and to go and train leaders so that they can harvest their nation. But there's also a call from within. And the last call that I want to share is from the inside. And I want everybody to stand because we're going to break bread together as we respond to this last call. And it's the call to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 is the last call. So everybody say, call from heaven. Call from below. Call from the nations. And there's a call from the inside. Here it is. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Second Chronicles, Corinthians chapter 5, 14. It says again, he died for everyone, verse 15, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, come on, church, has become a new person. Is there any new people in the room today? The old life is what? It's gone and a new life has begun. Let's keep reading right down. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's our job. Tell me again, that's our job. Look at the next verse, 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. Now look at this here. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And last verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Can you say amen? amen. God gave us the power to choose whom we're going to serve. We all had that choice. But God never gave us the choice to, make for, to be a soul winner because he already made that choice for us. And we belong to him today. Kathy, you ready for communion? Well, Father, we just thank you that Jesus laid down his life for us. And Lord, you've called us to lay down our lives for others so yes, that they might be saved. And Lord, that means sacrificing things mm. so that we can demonstrate your love to them. So Father, forgive us and cleanse us, Lord, from any things we've done that may have been a bad testimony or a bad witness to others. And help us, Father God, not to be ashamed of the gospel, That's right. but, Lord, to be bold as a lion, but gentle as a dove, and to be people that demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit to those around us so that people will see and know us or know you by our fruit. And so, Father, we take this bread with gratitude and with thanksgiving that, Jesus, you paved the way, you made a way for us, you demonstrated how your kingdom operates. 
and that is through laying down our lives and being a blessing to others. So, Father, thank you for the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, in the simplicity you just told us in your words that the new man no longer lives for himself, but help us to live selfless lives for the one that we've surrendered to the Lordship of. We thank you, Jesus, for being number one in our lives, not just in our words, but in our deeds and actions. And help each of us to respond to heaven's call. Help us to respond to hell's call. Help us to respond to the call of the nations as we met so many precious individuals from nations this morning, already from service one in our visitor's room, coming in from nations to be here today. And God, as well as the call from within, may we not be disobedient to the heavenly vision, to the heavenly calling, but may each of us do our job that together we can rejoice as in the parable in all three stories, lost son, lost coin, and lost sheep, there was rejoicing in the presence of the angel. There was rejoicing when she found that lost coin. And there was rejoicing when the son returned. May we all have that spirit of rejoicing because we're responding to the grace and the will of God today. And as we partake of the cup today, God, enable us and empower us to be everything that is a sweet offering for you to bring honor to you. In Christ's name, everybody said, let's partake. We just want to encourage you, Kathy and I, we're going to be sharing on, we believe it's the most important subject to be talking to the church on with Christmas right around the corner, that it's an opportunity for us to reach our friends, to reach our neighbors, to reach our associates. My closing story is this here, because my friend, I did his funeral many years ago. I reached all of his kids. All of them came to Christ in my youth group when I was over at the glory of God. And at his funeral... All of his workers that he worked with were all there. And they came one after the next to me at the end of the service. And they said, we knew there was something different about him. We didn't know what it was. He never told us. But we're so thankful that at his funeral today that we started a new walk with Jesus. His entire team of, of staff members all came to know Christ at his funeral. My question to you today is, our gospel is not just read because we're living epistles that people can see. But our gospel is also to be told when the opportunities come to go and share the hope. And you say, well, I don't know the Bible. But you have a story, and it's your story that's going to connect them to the master plan. God bless you. We love you. Love and appreciate you. Come on down for prayer. And if you're a visitor, come and join us in the welcoming room. Have the best day of your life.